As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. She makes beer. She brings me cheer. I really like that she's here. It's time for Brewing After Hours with Sarah Flora. Beer is like sunshine for the belly. Hi, I'm Sarah Flora. You may know me as Flora Brewing on Instagram and YouTube, where I dive into the technical aspects of making beer. My new podcast, Brewing After Hours, is going to take a different look at the history and stories behind beer. I'm going to bring you a story a week, as well as conversations with homebrewers and professionals in the industry. And of course, we'll be cracking some beers along the way. Hi, I'm Sarah Flora, and welcome to Brewing After Hours. On today's episode, we're discussing the art of beer. We've all been coerced by a really creative beer label. It's the first thing that catches your eye, even if you may not like whatever style of beer it may be. I know I have fallen into this trap many times and found myself with beers that I'm like, eh, I don't know if I should have bought that. As someone who also works in the art world, I appreciate when brands use their platform as a way to spotlight artists, which is why I wanted to chat with the co-founder of Collective Arts Brewing, Bob Russell, about their work collaborating with artists and musicians. So stay tuned a little later for our conversation. But this also made me wonder when beer labels became a thing. So let's dive into the history of beer labels. Beer actually wasn't bottled until the late 1800s, so people would just use their own cups and had their family's coat of arms. But the first appearance of labels has been traced back to ancient Egypt. Containers of alcohol would include hieroglyphics. The labels you see today, though, didn't happen until the early 1900s when canning officially took off. In 1931, American Can Co. was the first to start canning, and Kruger's Special Beer was the first to be commercially released and packaged. The first major brewery to can beer was actually Pabst Blue Ribbon. I feel like that's pretty obvious. Uh, you know, they, they've been around for a while. So in order to entice consumers on the idea of canned beer, since the taste was actually like way different than on tap, I don't know if you remember the whole controversy between the taste of cans versus the taste of bottles that happened a while ago. That was like a huge thing. And now people actually coat the inside of cans with this plastic liner that's supposed to prevent you from getting the actual can taste. But like tin cans taste weird. Anyway, they tried to basically trick people into buying these cans by adding colorful imagery and catchy slogans to them. 
we pretty much still have all of that around, even though our cans legitimately taste way better than they used to. So canned beer finally started catching on in 1960s. And here we are today. And the beer label has evolved into far more than just a brewery's name and the type of beer. It's provided a platform for illustrators, artists, musicians, and social causes. So let's learn how a brewery out of Canada is using beer as a vehicle to promote the arts. Thanks for joining the show. So today we're discussing the art of beer and how beer can do far more than most people realize. It can tell a story, start a global campaign like The Black is Beautiful, or create an outlet for illustrators, photographers, filmmakers, and musicians. So to start, can you tell us what inspired collective arts missions to collaborate with artists? How much time do you have? I, I'm going to try to keep it short. Matt Johnson and I founded the company in 2013, but Prior to that, we were working together, I as a design and, and brand consultant, and Matt in his role uh, as head of sales and marketing for Moosehead Canada. And for those that don't know Moosehead, it's uh, Canada's Yingling. It's a seven-generation family-owned brewery. Um, we, we had worked together on a number of projects and really enjoyed working with each other. And because we're both from the brand and, and design marketing point um, side of things, we decided we wanted to open a brewery. And uh, the first thing that we addressed, rather than buying a whole bunch of brewing equipment or building recipes was what's going to make us um, different in the marketplace, what's going to be authentic to us, and what's going to represent our passions as people. And my background in design, I've always worked with artists and illustrators um, for projects. Uh, Matt is a, a creative junkie. He loves uh, music. He loves art. And we thought that that would be an interesting place to try to build a brand around. I think the big aha moment for us was not having to be tied to a specific location and opening up to the global art community. Um, so that that really is, you know, what we've always said is our secret sauce. Um, as breweries localize and become more competitive, uh, we, um, you know, engage with the broader, the broader arts community, which is literally everywhere in the world. Um, so our, our, the first thing we wrote as a company, uh, a statement, uh, was that we uh, were a grassroots brewery, um, fusing the uh, creativity of craft beer with the talents of emerging artists and musicians around the world. So that was our brand statement. Um, and that's how we, we've, we, started with the we started the company. And uh, that's what we continue to um, use as our guiding light. And the only thing we've changed now, we've, we've changed it from craft beer to craft beverages because we're into a lot of other different things. So that's how it started. Um, and again, instead of building a brewery, we built a, a website, a publishing platform to um, get artists to uh, submit their work uh, with the call Your Art Here on, on a bottle at that point. And um, our first submission, we had uh, our first call for art, we had 500 submissions and we knew the concept um, resonated with people. And that's how we got going. 
Yeah, I really like the idea. It's really inspiring how a lot of breweries are actually taking art and like making it a part of their business model versus like just having can design because they have to. And and, and that's what we, you know, we founded. We're, we're a purpose-built brand. Our job is to find, publish, and support emerging artists. That's why our cans change so much. We are very art-focused. In fact, I think we actually started this, you know, I won't say 100%, but the trend to being all art, no branding, um, started with collective arts, I feel. Um, and, and which is great. I'm glad other breweries have embraced it because artists need a platform. And we built a platform that offers significant distribution for artists' work. Um, I think we'll do something like 25, 30 million cans this year. And that is artist impressions in somebody's hand for a set period of time, and it can be appreciated. And we constantly revolve it and change it. So every time you go and buy a collective arts beer, your chances are getting, you're going to get to experience the work of another artist. Especially through like all the shutdowns and everything, your um, availability to see new artwork is kind of limited. So you're obviously going to keep buying beer. (laughs) So if you can get a little art fix in, it's great. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We're bringing, we're bringing art to the masses where it's, truly a democratic way of appreciating art without all the pretense wrapped around it. Yeah. And that's what I always hated about the art world is all the pretense and you have to have so many degrees to like be taken seriously and whatnot. But yeah, art, it should be available for everyone in my opinion. So can you share how the process for your submissions work? Um, We do a quarterly call for art. Artists can submit up to three works of art at a time. We accept art from anybody that is of drinking age, wherever they are. So in Canada, drinking age is 19 and the U.S. is 21. So it really depends on your jurisdiction. Um, we, when the artist submits, they, are, they sign a, an, an agreement. Um, and in that art, we've made this art agreement very friendly. We've uh, had a lot of help by um, various artists and illustrators to make sure that our agreement um, is is very fair. We don't own the work. We don't ask the artist to create a new piece of work. We are basically using it for a very short period of time. And uh, the artist owns all the rights. And um, we use it to to put on a uh, our beer can now. Uh, we leave it on the website just as an archival piece. For that, they're uh, paid a stipend for, for that work. Um, and then once they're in the collective arts system, we find other projects for them. So it may be clothing and apparel. It may be a mural project. It may be a commission, a commission piece of art. So we have a number of ways to continually go back to each artist or artists. Uh, we also like to feature them on videos on our Instagram platform. I think we're um, all of our social media platforms were up over 200,000 followers now. So there's a really good um, base of interested um, uh, fans there. And um, yeah, we try to, again, we try to work with them, help their careers, help them get noticed and continually give them work whenever those opportunities arise. After the submissions are closed, 
We have a jury that is selected. Perhaps you'd like to be on the next jury, but we have a jury um, that selects the, the pieces. So these, these, this work is not selected in-house. I don't have really anything to do with the selections. We wanted it to be truly co-created by the global art community. And that jury changes for each call. So nobody's personal bias will enter broadly into, into um, our brand. And all of this means that all of our cans change quarterly. Each of our core lineups have four pieces of art associated with each beer. So over the course of uh, 12, 12 months, there's 16 different art changes on one beer. And we, to date, we have published about 1,700 artists and paid over almost $600,000 um, to those artists for their work. Uh, and then we continue to use the art for causes and things like that. So there's other monies that are being um, made and donated to art-based charities or, or social justice charities that we believe in. So that's how it works. I think the way you're doing it is extremely amazing and it seems like it's going to be extremely sustainable because one problem with the art world is that artists like, yeah, they'll do like promotions and things, but it's rare that they get paid for those opportunities. And like the way you can support artists and allow them to keep creating artwork is actually to pay them because they do have to pay their bills and whatnot. And a lot of people don't think about that. They're like, Oh, you want some uh, promotion. So yeah, I'll, feature your artwork, but I'm not going to pay you for it. It's just so that you can get your name out there. And that doesn't work for a lot of artists because, you know, I mean, a lot of artists live in big cities where it's expensive. And it's really nice to see that you guys have taken that into consideration. And working with artists myself, I know how important it is for them to make a living. Yeah, it's a stipend. I'm not going to, you know, to uh, exaggerate it, but, you know, just recognizing that there is a transaction and I, you know, and over the course of time, and, and we're not for everybody, you know, some established artists go, yeah, I don't know. Um, this is not what I'm into, but, you know, for, we, we get about 2000 to 3000 submissions for each call. So obviously it's working. The quality of work is getting better. Um, we are working with, you know, artists that have 30, 40, 60, 100,000 Instagram followers. Um, so I know that, you know, they are, they love the idea. Um, in my day, it was getting your work on an album cover. Today, I guess getting your work on a beer can is kind of the equivalent, right? Everybody seems to think that the, you know, it's a worthwhile cause and, you know, our, our, job is to promote and really respect what artists do and i think at the end of the day that's all the artists want they want to be respected they want to be recognized and they want to give it be given an opportunity to 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 have their work seen and that's what we do yeah so given that you do change out your cans so much has there been kind of a collector uh situation happening where everyone wants to get each new can <laughs> well yeah we drive collectors crazy as a matter of fact when we were when we were on when we were on label or bottles and labels it was easier to collect them because people just peeled them off cans are kind of a bulky commodity so but you know and we do uh, the other thing we do is we 25 of the artists out of each series 
we turn into coasters. Those become very collectible, but they usually end up in hospitality bars or restaurants because those have been all shut down. You know, people haven't had access to them, but coasters are quite popular. They, uh, and we encourage people to uh, liberate them from their favorite establishments. So they, they're, they're much easier to co collect. In fact, I've seen, I've seen somebody sent me a picture of their bathroom and the whole thing was collective arts coasters. So all walls, all the way floor to ceiling. So it was, so people get quite a, quite creative with uh, with what we put in out there. I I love that. Yeah, I'm definitely a uh, coaster reliever, and so as my uh, mother-in-law, she's we constantly collect coasters and mail them to her. We have a lot of coasters. Um, so with the pandemic, a lot of breweries were thrown into all things digital to keep their consumers engaged. Um, so how did collective arts adapt during this time and? keep reaching out to their consumers maybe in a more digital way well it was a big i mean it was a big wake-up call june i think 12th we realized that of last year we realized that we'd lost you know about 35 percent of our business we're in 22 countries and they all shut down all the bars and restaurants so that was um you know that was a deer in a headlight situation for us uh, we quickly pivoted uh, from a business point of view and instituted uh, direct to home, especially in our home market of Ontario, Canada, um, and and so offered offered delivery service. We we've since um, bulked up our e-com, and we have a lot of traffic going through e-com. We work very very closely with our um, our distribution partners um, because they were really left holding the bag on a lot of on a lot of product that they couldn't, they couldn't get rid of that just went bad in their, in their warehouses. So, you know, it, you, these kind of things, you just have to work, work through them. We were successful with our distribution partners, which was really important to get that, that product into bottle shops, service like Drizzly, you know, we've obviously utilized in the U S so from a, from a distribution point of view, we very quickly righted the ship and we actually were lucky enough to make up the numbers that we lost through, through direct to home and e-com and, and through our partnerships. On the brand engagement or consumer engagement side, you know, we feel we have a, because creative creativity is such a big part of our brand, if you go to a collective arts event, we usually have live art. We have musicians, we have beer taste to beer, we have spirits. So it's it's kind of like a three-ring circus of, of, of creativity. That's harder to replicate. So we did the, you know, live concerts. We do an awful lot of content um, around around the artists and, you know, what they, what they um, get inspired by. And we do videos with them. Uh, tour their studios. Uh, we have a lot of collabs that we do with artists and other other different organizations. Um, 500 Pixels, which is a big uh, uh, photography website. We've done collaborations with them to get their work out there. Uh, we just in the market now is a um, one of our first themed call for art. It's called Amplified Voices. It addresses social justice issues. LGBTQ, Black, Brown, Indigenous, you know, just any any kind of social justice. So we had a very, very strong call for art. So we have that going out now. Con um, proceeds go to the ACLU. Uh, we did a vote voter registration because we're, we're Canadian, but we are active in politics. We did a vote can to encourage people to get out and register to vote. Again, donations went to the ACLU. 
and so we like to get into the, those cause kind of things. And art is such a magnificent uh, lighthouse for that because, you know, you can really get inside what people are really thinking and, and how they visualize the injustices of art or through art. Um, so that was a, that was a big deal. So it's, it's a lot of the things that we're trying to do is really um, engaging with people without the kind of the bricks and mortar situation. But again, I think we've been pretty successful to do that. If you visit our website, you'll see all kinds of different content going on all the time. And But artists play uh, a central role to that. And, you know, breweries have this amazing opportunity because, there's, you know, for most of them, they have such a localized following and they are part of the center of that community. And when you see a lot of the breweries step up and give to the community and support small business, you know, what, you know, the Black Lives Matter and hospitality industries like have all been supported by by breweries or initiated products, projects by breweries. It's just really great to see um, the kind of engagement that that breweries and impact breweries can have on their on their on their local and global communities. So I'm proud to be part of it. Yeah. And beer is such a community industry um, that I think it just kind of plays naturally into what we love about the brewing industry. It's just everyone coming together. You guys also sponsor murals. Uh, you've done one, you did one in a Detroit a few years ago. So can you tell us how you go about um, creating these murals with artists and uh, kind of how you arrange that? Sure. This is called the Wall Project. Um, we've done walls, you know, in Toronto in our home market in Hamilton in Vancouver, Nashville, um, Chicago, Detroit, Boston, New York, and we've got one going this weekend in Melbourne, Australia. It's really important to us because, again, and we talk about democratization of art and making art accessible to everything, and there's nothing more accessible than art on walls and it's really important that that you know these artists who that are very much fine artists um, have the opportunity to paint and painting is um, it's an expensive process you have to buy the, you have to find the wall you have to buy the paint you have to get the lifts you have to get your all your instructions to run the lifts um, so we've been able to help uh, a number of artists uh, locate walls um, and um, and paint and we you know, we've managed to we've managed to create a, a bit of a, a mural scene around our brewery in Hamilton. We I think we have about ten, maybe more walls painted now in in Hamilton and great big walls. And because of that, the the notoriety of those walls, we have muralists coming to us all the time, and we look for opportunities. Um, we just opened we've opened a small innovation brewery in Toronto in September and we had uh, an artist that had worked with us before Olo Volo out of Montreal who's very very prolific and very very famous she painted a mural at our Hamilton brewery and then when I called her and said hey Olo would you like to paint our building she just jumped at it so the whole building um, has been painted with one of her work so we we like to work with them and uh we just need to find the opportunity and, but we've worked with artists from all over the world. So it's, uh, we just feel it's an, a, a logical extension of our brand. Yeah. And there's something about going to a city and seeing all like the well thought out, well done, obviously professional murals. I come from Tampa, Florida. We didn't have that kind of thing. 
And moving to LA, I'm oh my gosh, like you go downtown and you like always see the same murals and you can just like kind of orientate yourself in the city based on this artwork, which I think is fascinating. Well, it's, you know, it's just a discovery, you know, you get to walk around the corner and you go, oh my, this is amazing. Or you go down in different communities. I mean, not too far from you and in your home in Miami, you have Wynwood, which is probably one of the most famous locations in the world or, or Bushwick in Brooklyn, you know, these are all iconic locations that really people, they come to its destination, they come to see them. And a lot of the cities now, their whole economic development mandate is how do we bring more people in the city? How do we get them to engage with the local businesses? And painting walls has been a big part of the solution um, for these cities to get people to visit. So it's 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 kind of a perfect storm of, you know, the economic drivers, um, you know, the culture, the bringing culture into the city, and really an inexpensive way. And then having uh, this growing art community available to 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 paint, it's um, it's quite amazing where it's come to. So uh, back to kind of the beverage side of the brewery. Um, so the brewery's sister company just launched CBD infused sparkling juice and teas, which uh, it's under the name Collective Project. Um, so what has been the response so far, and what's your plan for that product from a global perspective? Um, are you doing mass distribution. Uh, I know it's a little easier to do non-alcohol distribution than alcohol distribution. Right. You know, we looked at CBD and and really the uh, the CBD platform was one that we're using for um, cannabis infused products as well. So obviously hemp-based CBD, um, you can get broad-based distribution on and we're still kind of waiting for the FAA to sort of decide exactly how they want us to to handle the beverage so it's it's a little bit a bit of a wait and see right now we have uh, about 10 different beverages formulated we're in we're in a little bit of distribution in some markets in the US but we do plan to have it a national launch both in the US and Canada and in other countries um, you know the UK and the EU where where uh, CBD based products are legal we do believe there's an opportunity there but it's they're very very Good quality, all fruit, all natural, no, no artificial flavoring, nothing like that. And uh, but we design them as a platform for our uh, cannabis-infused beverages, um, which we will be launching across Canada in probably August, I think. Now that's great. I mean, personally, as I get older. I can only drink so much and I'm finding that CBD and THC uh, infused products are kind of more my jam because they don't come with a hangover. I think when people start bringing these into their lives and, and using it to replace the alcohol or augmenting the alcohol experience, they will know how important that is um, as part of the portfolio to which they choose on a Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like, I, uh, yeah, it's a way to kind of take a break. And sometimes your liver needs a little bit of a break, especially mine. Right. Especially being in our business. It's funny. You, you, we go to these beer festivals all over the world and, and at the end of the festivals, the brewers are just, just give me a 4% lager. I only want a 4% lager. Who's got any lager left? It's, it's funny. You just, you, you can't, you can't subsist on IPAs alone. 
Oh, I know. I'm I'm totally a logger person now. I I went so hard for so long on IPAs. <laughs> I'm like, I need like very little hops, please. I will take very little hops. So Collective Arts has two locations in Canada, including Toronto and Hamilton, and you're working on a location in Brooklyn. Um, so uh, will that brewery be set up similarly to your other spaces? And how are you addressing the local market? What are you thinking of for the new brewery? All good questions. We've been delayed in in New York for approximately a year and a half now, and the construction is still yet to start. It's it's halfway built, um, so we're hoping that that will be completed by you know late fall, early of next year. Now that brewery will look nothing like our other two breweries. So Hamilton is a production brewery with a very very small tap room. Um, it's 65,000 square feet and it's, you know, it's just a big, big production brewery. And from that brewery, we service you know, Canada, Europe and, um, and Asia. Um, and then we, we contract brew um, out of Octopi in Wisconsin. So that's our, that's the connection there. And they brew all of our U.S. capacity. The Toronto brewery is very small. It has a 10 barrel um, brew kit in, and we're just using that for uh, innovation. Our brew house is um, 75 hectoliters in Hamilton. So it's really hard to do innovation brew on that. Um, Making a mistake is quite costly. Uh, so we do all of our innovation brew in Toronto on the smaller brew kit. And then there's a small taproom restaurant and a patio attached to that. But it's 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 quite a lovely little brewery um, in a beautiful little neighborhood of Toronto. Brooklyn will be uh, about, it's about 12,000 square feet, 5,000 square feet of brewing. There's a retail store. There's a live music venue. There's a taproom kitchen and a cocktail lounge in that space. So it's more a, um, a group of different experiences. So one day you can walk into the cocktail lounge board, uh, door. Another time you can walk into the retail door. One day you can walk into the kitchen and then maybe you go to a live music event. So it's, it's a multi, it's a multi uh, faceted experience all built around art, music and craft beverages. That sounds so fun to go to. Um, so is there anything else you want to let us know to keep an eye out for from Collective Arts? You know, we're changing all the time. We love people to follow us at Collective Brew. Pretty easy. Um, we are currently looking to come to L.A. with a uh, our next project is uh, a facility in Los Angeles. That's what we're working on now. We want to be in all of the world's best cultural centers. And after after our, after being in Toronto and New York, we think L.A. is probably a great place to be. Uh, so we're pretty stoked on uh, on coming to uh, Southern California. I can't wait for you to be here. And I'm definitely going to have to tell a lot of my artists to submit to you guys. So hopefully <laughs> their art can be on your hands too. Uh, thank you for mentioning that. And that's collectiveartsbrewing.com forward slash submit uh, hyphen art. We, yeah, we'd love to expand our, our artists to the Southern California area. So thank you. Drinking beer, it makes you happy. It makes me happy too. It's truly man up from a glass of Satan. Let's raise a toast, drink it up, sip it down, gallop it too sweet.
Thanks for listening to Brewing After Hours on the Believe Podcast Network. Find the show and lots of other great shows at Believe.com. If you're digging the show, please subscribe and rate the show on your preferred streaming platform. A special thank you to Honus Honus, the lyrical genius behind my favorite band, Man Man, who created the song you hear at the beginning of my podcast. Check the band's new album and more at manmanbands.com and at manmanbandsband on Instagram. If you're looking for some homebrewing tips, make sure to follow me on Instagram at flora underscore brewing or subscribe to Flora Brewing on YouTube. For ad-free brewing tutorials and reviews, plus more one-on-one experience, become a Patreon member. It's just Patreon backslash Flora Brewing. Now, I really need a drink. I'll catch up with you all next week. Thanks again for listening and a friendly reminder to support your local craft brewery. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.